welcome in to episode 10 of Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate, except I had to make a call to the bullpen. You did. I did. Nate is on the road at the Big Ten Conference Tournament at Illinois, so I called in Anna Bellinghausen. Here I am. Bill in. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. I, as soon as I saw the text, I'm like, I'm it. <laughs> I'm so thankful <laughs> because I definitely was not ready to do this by myself, and I was like, okay, who should I reach out to? And you were the first person that came to mind. I love it. I'm, I'm flattered. Thank you. You could be lying, but... You'd never know. You, I would never know. But I'm going to take the compliment where I can. Awesome. Well, are you ready to talk softball today? Yeah, it's the best time of year, really. Mayhem is upon us. Yes. Mayhem. I, I think we titled our last episode that, but it's true. I've been listening to all the other softball podcasts on my way in this morning, and I'm just so excited. The Big Ten tournament has started. Uh, Nebraska got a four seed, so they've got a first round bye. So by the time this episode is live for everyone to listen, uh, Nebraska will be will have yep. an opponent. We just don't know who between Wisconsin and Illinois. But we need to talk about last weekend because I keep I I was disappointed. Yep, I was very disappointed. I thought Nebraska had a prime opportunity to secure themselves maybe even the three seed. Right. And as soon as Friday night happened and they lost two to one, I just, I felt kind of deflated. And uh, I thought, man, I hope they come back from this somehow. And they did on Saturday with a win mm -hmm. on senior day. Courtney Wallace pitched in all three games. She's a stud. Yeah. Um, so I just feel, and then Sunday, you know, Sunday they lose. And Ohio State was a team coming in on the bubble. And I kept I, I kept saying that last week. They're on the bubble. They were playing for their lives. Because if they lose that series, they're done. I don't think Ohio State even winning a couple games in the in the conference tournament would get them into yeah. the NCAA tournament. But winning that series, it helped their RPI. And now we're looking at maybe six teams right. instead of five. But you've done your research. I have. So. I've done a little bit of research, of course. I mean, you, you got to prep for the shows. But Marin, like you said, a, a disappointing weekend for Nebraska, losing two of three to Ohio State, who's now the sixth seed. It's just tough to finish a season on that note because that kind of kills momentum. But also, you can think of it as a different way of like, whoa, guys, like let's slow down. What what went wrong, and how can we fix it? So maybe it's good that Nebraska's learning that right now at the season finale and can take what they've learned from the Ohio State series and say, like, let's regroup, let's rework what we're trying to do. So you could take it one of two ways. Obviously, yes, disappointing. You're at home, season finale, you want to do it for the seniors, of course. But again, maybe they could kind of learn from it and they could end up being beneficial down the road. But slipping to a four seed is not beneficial. Of course, you obviously want the easier draw being a three seed, but still Nebraska is in a good place to make a run in this tournament. Yeah, they, they've only won two games in their last six. Yeah. So when we talk momentum, you know, the two in your last six, it's not it, it's not ideal, number one. But number two, um, they use their, their pitching has been, it looks like it's been kind of getting tired. Yeah. Uh, they've only really been using two pitchers all year in Harness and Wallace. And with Wallace pitching... 197 innings in the regular season. That's incredible. More than any other pitcher in the Big Ten. And 
I'm sure we will talk more about Courtney Wallace and what she's meant to this team a little bit later in our in our episode when Maddie Fowler Burkhart joins us. But in the meantime, we just we've got to see something from Nebraska. We've got to see something from the pitching staff. They've mm-hmm. got to take charge yep. because the ERAs are high. They're gonna get scored on, right? So what is the pitching staff gonna do to flip that, right? Because now we're in postseason. Defense and pitching wins championships. Yep. Period. We saw it last year when they made their run to win the conference tournament when Olivia Farrell just kind of took the reins, yeah. right? She shut down the offenses. And oh, I've got to see something like that for them to do something similar. No, agreed. The saying is always pitching and defense wins the ball games, and hitting can come and go. Of course, there's going to be days where your hitters are off, but if you can have those solid uh, women in the bullpen that are backing up all the hitting. But it's also to say maybe you do need that extra run support and maybe the people that have to step up have to be those in the box. And that might be the story for Nebraska because, like you said, Marin, the pitching staff might be a little tired right now. Yeah. I mean, just looking, we if we look at the last six games, right, uh, we're going to – let's look at the last five. Let's exclude the 22-4 to loss against Northwestern. That's a fluke. We're not going to count that. Okay, but – there's an, an 8-6 loss. Normally, six runs would win you a game, right? A 10-9 loss, nine runs, normally would win you a game. And then 2-1, to one, that's close, but winnable. 4-3, they win, and then 6-4, right? Four runs. It, as myself, as a softball coach, three runs is what you should provide your pitcher, and that yep. should be enough for a win. They're getting outscored. That's, I mean, that's the name of the game right now for Nebraska. And if you look back to that Ohio State series, the, the final game, bases loaded, bottom of the seventh, one out, down two runs. Yep. And they couldn't deliver. I know. And it's the runners left on base that kill you. Yep. But, again, you have to point back to the pitching staff and say, hey, we need to lower those numbers, of course, and those ERAs. But there are still positions for those batters to be in, and you kind of just have to play – the game that's being given to you at that point, especially when it's do or die time in the Big Ten tournament, if the pitching isn't there, I mean, it's on those hitters to pick up the slack for sure. Yeah, and I think we saw what this lineup can do in situations this yeah. year, but the Big Ten announced their their regular season awards today, and there's only three players on on the list, period, right? So you've got Brooke and Billy Andrews. Mm-hmm. And then you have Caitlin Kaneda. They've all three of them made first team all Big Ten. There's nobody on the second team. That's interesting because it's it feels like there's a gap, right? And it's saying, okay, up and down this lineup, you only think these three players are making the highest impact possible, but not one through nine or not every single pitcher or whatever maybe uh the scenario there with what side they're on, but still it's it feels like a, maybe a talent gap that's seen, and it's not to say that there's other people that couldn't be on that list. Right. Of course, there's a, a small group of people that vote on those, and you can't take that into consideration. And, and if anything, if you're not on that list, it should put a chip on your shoulder and say, okay, well, I'm going to show you what I can do in this Big Ten tournament, because those don't matter when you really think about it. But it's still nice, obviously, to get that recognition, and we brought it up already, but Courtney Wallace not being on that list, it's easy to make an argument for her to be on there right, so right right there's a lot of things and factors that go into it but at the end of the day you can't let that group of people that votes on those dictate how you think you should be playing this big 10 tournament again it, it's got to be a chip on your shoulder moment and courtney wallace has to go in with that too because she's such a big part of this nebraska team 
And on that note, we're going to bring in someone who really knows this team probably better than both of us. And she's got to put up with my normal co-host, Nate Rohr, uh, a lot more often than I do. But let's welcome in Maddie Fowler-Burkhart to our show. Maddie, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited for postseason. It's best time of the year. We're finally here. So excited. Um, I guess let's just... I we we've been ranting back and forth a little bit this morning uh, with the Big Ten awards that were announced. I know we we just finished kind of recapping that, but I just want to go full in. Courtney Wallace being left out. Um, as someone who has covered this team throughout the season, when I look at these awards, it's a lot to me of where would this team be without this player, and to see Courtney Wallace not make any of the teams uh it just really stood out to me what are your thoughts yeah nate and i talked a lot about this um at the end of the weekend is that 23 games she appeared in 22 in conference as a pitcher i mean that is just insane nobody else had that body of work of 22 of 23 games so the consistency that that takes day in day out and it's mental toughness it's physical training the conditioning she had to be prepared to do then she's a fifth year senior i was a fifth year senior your body hurts i mean you know i can speak from experience uh but she's she's the heartbeat of the team where she goes husker softball goes and you know they're a top four team so you know does your does your ace deserve to be there as a top four team probably I, Don't, go ahead. i was gonna say exactly what we were saying before but do you think that can give her a chip on her shoulder going in and Maybe I didn't get that recognition, but it doesn't matter now because I can prove myself in this Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament. For sure, and I, I think there's a chip on the shoulder for the whole team. They're the defending champions right. for the tournament. So you can, I'm sure Coach Ravella is talking to them about that mentality right now is that you're going in to this weekend and you've done this before. We did this last year. We ran the table. This is where our best. It doesn't matter what happened the last two weekends. They had tough, two tough weekends in a row, but it was good competition. Flush it. It's a whole new ball game in postseason. That's what I love more than anything is it is you get your seating and you go and it's your own future and you write the path. And um, so I'm sure they're talking about that right now, that this is when we're our best. We can because this is where they were last year. They were kind of slumping at the end of the season last year in conference. And then they turned it on um, for the Big Ten tournament and went on that really fun run. So um, Courtney is what I love about her is she's just you can't break her. I mean, she's. Every time she did this, she would get hit hard on a Friday night and she'd get the ball on Saturday and she'd come back and she'd be tough as nails. I mean, so she's just got that mentality. So this is just another thing. It's she can use it to fuel her. Um, and I, I'm excited to see what the team does with a little bit of rest um, and kind of going into this Thursday, Friday, Saturday stretch and hopes they, they go on a run again. What are your thoughts on the Andrew sisters? Because I love them. I love watching them. I love everything about them. And now we've got two of them as first team all Big Ten players. And I feel like we've just been waiting for Brooke to have this breakout year. And it's happening. And we're all witnesses to it. And it just it makes me so happy. I smile every time she gets on base because I have gotten to know her throughout this season. And I just know how hard she's worked. Yeah. So what have you seen from them? Yep, I, I talked to Coach Abel about this, and she said Brooke has always been every bit the athlete that Billy Andrews is, and it was she almost just needed to let herself shine. Um, and you know, with the season that Billy had last year in our breakout freshman year, it's 
Um, I've been in that situation as a sister of a, you know, their roles are a little reversed. My sister is my older sister. And, um, I could feel that sometimes on me too, is that she was shining so high. It's like you almost dull your own shine a little bit just because you're rooting on your sibling, but they are so athletic. They are so versatile. Um, we saw Brooke Andrews this year in the Arizona series on the road, um, hadn't played infield at all, hadn't trained in the infield at all. And Sydney Gray gets hand injury and they pull her out her center field and throw her at third base. I mean, that's the kind of athlete she is. They're, they run well. Um, they have such good hand-eye coordination, and it's just so fun. I mean, how proud their parents must be, you know, that they're both on the first team. And then how lucky are we that we get them both back? This was Brooke's fourth year, but she had the COVID year. And so she's going to come back. She's going to go out same time as her sister. There's a year gap between them, but um, just so fun. I call them fire and ice. Um, so, you know, Billy being the fire and um, she's very loud and she's a little more flashy with her play where Brooke, we've just seen her. She's been so consistent. She's been so good in those pressure situations. You know, she's got the ice in her vein. She's clutch. Um, so we get the fire and ice, Andrew's sisters. And I love them. Yeah, I think they're going to need a lot of that too come this postseason play, especially with maybe there might be some pitching struggles. The pitching staff might be a little depleted at times. How do you want to see the bats step up throughout this tournament? What do they need to do? Yeah, I think that was the storyline from this Ohio State series um, was more timely hitting. Um, there's there's a lot of firepower in this lineup. It, it just seems like they haven't always strung it together at the same time. There's been other people that have been really hot and then some hitters have cooled off. And I don't feel like there's been a, a point in the season where it's one through nine where they all have really good stats, but they've, they've been, been kind of hot you know, and cold at different times. So um it's perfect time if, if they're ever gonna all get hot at one time now's the time of uh, you know friday night ohio state it was a 2-1 ball game and cordy walls pitched really well and good enough to get a win and it was you know it was the offense who didn't come up in that situation they they left some runners on and i'm sure they've had that conversation um this week is just how can we be more productive when we have runners in scoring position and to string those hits together uh but there's the the you know, the, the ceiling is the limit for this offense. They have so much power. We saw them break the single-season home run record for Nebraska softball and home runs last year. Haven't had as high of production this year, but it's you just feel like there's still something untapped. And if, if they can really, you know, all get going at the same time, it could be really electric. As someone who's played in this situation before, how are you able to kind of wipe clean the regular season and start fresh with postseason. It is one of those things that, like, once you're in, you're in. It doesn't matter. So there's um, they're still in school right now, so there's not quite that same feeling. I loved when school was out and you were just playing. It was the only time in my life I felt like a professional athlete because I didn't have any any other responsibilities going on. I was just I was getting my per diem and I was playing softball, and like that feeling is so exhilarating. Because we would, once school was out, you know, we could have morning practices. We could, whatever, you could get up and train. You could go hit extra buckets of balls in the middle of the day. I didn't have a paper to write. I mean, it's just literally the best feeling. I would go back to that at any time. Just snap me back to postseason softball with no school. So I've always felt for schools like Northwestern who on the quarter system that they're still in school when they make it to the World Series. I'm like, oh, she's going out. Yeah, they're, they're like... They're studying for finals when they're at the World Series. So I don't really focus on that uh, yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> so let's let's kind of talk about the Big Ten in general. I think we, we've talked in depth on Nebraska, but there's 
There is a possibility that we're looking at having an NCAA tournament this year without Michigan. How wild is that? It, it, it's really wild. And um, I, I kind of compare it to Arizona softball a little bit right now, you know, where um, we could we could have a tournament without Arizona. And that's those are two powerhouse schools. And um, it's a changing of the guard, which is tough. And you also had really good senior classes leave from both those programs. Um, you had some key transfers that left and that's, that's how it goes. But, um, you've got a great coach in Monty. You've got a great coach in Caitlin Love at Arizona. And it's just, that's, it's a changing of the guard. You had two of the all, the two all-time winningest coaches, you know, retire from the sport. Um, you know, you never know. Michigan could, I think they'd need some big key wins this, this tournament and they could, you know, slide in with their body at work and how tough their, their schedule was all season. But, um, you know, I'm I'm not worried about them either one of those schools bouncing back, but it it would be a weird thing to look at a you know a group of 64 and not see you know a Michigan name in there. I had heard this morning I was listening to another podcast. It's been 35 years since like for Arizona making the NCAA tournament. Uh, you're from Tucson, right? Yeah. Arizona softball filling up Rita yeah. is is magical. It's I mean, it, it's an atmosphere that is unlike any other. And to not have postseason softball besides them hosting the first ever Pac-12 tournament, which is exciting in itself. Um, but to imagine Rita not having postseason softball is just, it's, it kind of like, it just makes me kind of sad. Well, it just shows you the parody of the sport right now, too. I mean, it, there are just so many good ball clubs. The Pac-12 is stacked this year, you know, Big Ten. Just so many new faces that are coming in and uh, making a name for themselves. So it, it's good for the sport, ultimately, that it's not the days of old where you had two programs who were right on the table and that was it. Um, but I, I'm also freaked out with UCLA coming to, you know, the Big Ten that we're not going to get that UCLA-Arizona matchup every year. That is bizarre because that is what I grew up on and that is what I lived for growing up with going to Arizona softball games. Yeah, they've got to keep that in the non-conference schedule. I mean, if it's only right to... I feel like, but uh, you, gotta, you gotta keep you gotta, the rivalries alive. The rivalries alive, I think overall. Um, a question for me though: Who is a sleeper team out of this Big Ten tournament field? Well, that's a good question. I, the one that worries me is probably Wisconsin because they're on Nebraska's side of the bracket. Um, they they just played everyone so close. You look at you look at all of their scores. I mean, it was one run ball games here and there. So it just it feels like they were always knocking on the door. Uh, and they've got, I think they've got a lot of potential. So hopefully they're not because I want Nebraska to go the distance. So Nebraska fans are rooting for Illinois is what you're saying. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's only fair. Illinois is playing at home. They should they should get one win in yeah. front of the, the home crowd. Right. And they almost didn't make the tournament, which would have been disastrous. Um but we're already seeing movement in the conference. Purdue just announced a great change yesterday. So, I mean, how important is it for the Big Ten going next year? The next season will be the last season as we know it. And then UCLA will join. But how important is it for the Big Ten just to really take advantage of this next couple of years with being on TV and making sure people are watching the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, as much TV coverage as you can get is, is really important. And we've seen that with some of the the brackets in the past years where it's felt like um, 
the SEC and ACC do a really good job of um, with their partnership and to getting all of their all of their games are easily accessible. And I think they got rewarded because everybody could watch them on a regular basis. Um, so Big Ten is making investments and the more and the more that we can make, I think is really important. Um, the tournament is huge to as much hype as you can get around the tournament to get the eyeballs there. With, it's your last test and it's your it's your final kind of taste for the committee right before they make those selections. So uh, the more hype you can do, the more more games that are on Big Ten and as um, these media deals change and stuff, and there's other major networks that are part of the Big Ten package. I mean, any of these you know national networks, it's really important. And um, softball fits really well um, on the TV. And um, I talked to Nate about this, and one of my worries is with how good hitters are these days, the game has extended because we're not seeing these two-to-one ball games all the time where you've just got one pitcher. I mean, you're seeing three to four pitchers the game, and every time you switch a pitcher, it, it's, you get time, minutes go by as you're, you know, making those transitions. So the the length of the game has expanded a little bit, and that, that worries me a little bit because I want it to be tight in that two-hour window because then it does really well on TV, and it, it sells really well because it, that's what people have fallen in love with softball is because the skill level is so high, and it's quick and it's fast paced. And you, this is the best you see. I mean, you don't see the best in college baseball because they get drafted. This is the best. The talent is just insane. And once people see that, I, they're hooked. So um, it's still the investment in, in college softball is really good, but I still think there's so much room to grow because people get addicted when they get to watch it and they are hooked. And man, World Series time, all eyeballs are, are on college softball. I mean, we're sitting here on podcast just talking about the Big Ten and and their softball program. So we're go- we're going somewhere with it. Right. It was awesome talking to you today. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I think you would say go big red. That's right. Go big red. It's post season. Let's reboot. Why not? With right. Right. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. I love it. I, I'm I'm even more jacked up, I think, now at, at this point. Right. I'm ready to see. And she brings up a really good point about TV and how softball is a really good product for that. And I, I think in the same regards as volleyball and how it's fast-paced. There's always action. It's a shorter game as well. I mean, look at baseball. It's obviously a little bit longer than those softball games. Um, but I think it's such a good product. I love seeing that every single game is on the Big, big Ten Network. I, I think that's huge for the sport. And at the same time, they're all being streamed on Fox Sports yep. Go, yep. which Fox Go too. is awesome because, I mean, for Fox Sports to get into this game, I know that they have the rights to the Big Ten. So mm-hmm. I, everyone else, you know, you can watch on ESPN, ESPN Plus, um, and it's available right then and there. But I think Fox is about to see oh, what kind yeah. of damage oh. softball is going to do numbers-wise. Absolutely. Who knows? Maybe there's a national broadcast on Fox in the future. I would love that. That would be so cool. It's getting there, and I think it's going to be there sooner than we even think. And this is a big step, again, for the tournament to be televised completely. I mean, even the games today and then having the availability to see it on Fox Sports Go. And it also helps the NCAA committee see everything and have that visibility. And um, national TV is just awesome for the sport. And we're going to bring in someone now who clearly knows a lot more about the national landscape than just the Big Ten, but my former intern, <laughs> Brady Vernon, joins us 
He covers college softball for D1 Softball. Brady, how are you? I'm good. A little stressful this morning. My uh, pregnant wife decided that while I go to Tucson, that someone's going to take her entire house before uh, her baby comes. So. Okay. So we've been moving furniture all morning. It's <laughs> the drive down to Tucson. How excited are you for this Pac-12 tournament? I mean, it's something that I've always wanted, especially kind of going to Pac-12 school. And I've always kind of wondered, like, because I started covering softball in 2018. And, like, I was like, why are they the only ones that don't have a tournament? So I've always wanted it. So I'm really excited to see how it plays out, especially because, you know, I don't think many people expected to have Arizona and ASU be open games. So I'm hoping for really big crowds. Right. And I don't think anybody expected Arizona to be in the situation that they're in. Um, what have you seen from Arizona this year that kind of has them in this situation where they are in big trouble when it comes to making the postseason after this? I mean, it's kind of the same flaws that they had last year's in the circle. Um, the only difference was that, you know, they got by last year because they have when Hannah Bowen was healthy. And when we got in the postseason, Bowen and Devin Nets were super good. And this year, Nets has been asked to carry the load. And like, there's times where she is really good. But I just don't know if she has the stuff to be the number woman. And then you look at the other four pitches behind her. You have a true freshman. You have a freshman that enrolled early in the spring. Um, the Juco transfer. And then a girl from Princeton. And so you don't have a ton of D1 experience at all behind Nets. Who also came in there so more as the hitter. As she does ball. And so I think it's just. The defense has been better. Obviously, the offense is the offense, but it's just the pitching has just been really poor, and that's why they struggled tire way during the Pac-12 play and had that, I think it was a 14-game losing streak in conference. And so it's just it's just in the circle, and it's been really, really weird to see just kind of saying them in the bottom half of the pack. You talk about, you know, needing someone in the circle, and I think let's it's time to mention a name that's super familiar to the people here in Nebraska in the Omaha area, but Ruby Malin has been a stud in the circle for Washington. And I feel like she kind of got disrespected by not being on the freshman of the year candidate list. Um, that's something I was texting with her about, but I know you've had the opportunity to watch her this year. And, and what are your thoughts on Ruby? Well, I think we all have our qualms at times the certain bliss that come out. Um, but at the first thing with Ruby was I was just, I was amazed just how like tall and like lengthy she was like when I saw her in person. Yeah. But I mean, she was asked to step into a really big role and Heather Carr said even like back in her another that like she saw everything that she could for her to be an ace and lead the staff. She's had to be even a bigger role because, you know, Power got Lindsay Lopez from ASU and it just has not worked out in Lindsay. It's handled this far. And so Ruby was very good in the non-conference and then she had a little bit of a blip when like Pactel play started, but that's normal for a freshman. And so it's been really cool to see her down the stretch get even better. And I think that's been the most impressive part is, you know, she's been a freshman, she's been called upon in big spots and she just continues to improve. And I think that speaks a lot for Washington, especially for a team that has a ton of seniors because Ruby can very well just be the face of Washington softball by ne this time next year. That's incredible to think about a kid from Omaha. No, and the face <laughs> of Washington Not softball. only coming out of Nebraska, but also doing it so quickly 
and transition transitioning from club and high school to college that seamlessly I think is really impressive because the game speeds up for you so much when you're going through all those levels and that's really impressive I mean that she's been able to make such an impact and just also shows the talent in Nebraska throughout the country oh yeah I'd like to see a little bit more stay in Nebraska but absolutely uh, I would I mean it's incredible imagine Brady, imagine this. Imagine imagine if Nebraska kept Nebraska kids in the state, right? Then you're talking about Ruby, Jordy, the Kamenzen twins, yeah. I, Tori Kanishi. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But imagine what a Nebraska softball team like that would look like. I'm taking that one to a national championship. <laughs> I'm riding that one all the way, and I would put money on it. But unfortunately, that's not the case. I They'll get there, I think, at some point. I think the the push for in-state is is getting better and better. But I want to ask a question regarding the tournament and the players you have on your roster. Do you take potential or experience if you're trying to build the best team to make the longest NCAA tournament run? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Brady, what do you think? I mean, I just, I've always thought this talent kind of trumps everything. Like, yeah. I mean, I just, like, I don't, I, I think we see it more in, like, the bigger sports, especially, like, football. Like, I think even, like, Iowa football, like, they don't let people underclassmen start, which is crazy. Like, you saw someone go, like, the top 15 picks in the NFL draft, and he was a backup, but he was also talented. I don't think you, I mean, I think freely, I mean, you just, you walk the most talented people on the field, and I just, I mean, you look at, like, freshman class around the nation, I think you can see that, like, I mean, you could make the argument that, Harris Burns with a what top three hitter around the nation. You probably could say top one if it wasn't for Sadler Wallace's stretch like lately. And I just think, you know, if you want the best players on the field, like you just gotta let them play. And like there's gonna be stretches. Like I think like if you even look at someone like at Arizona, like Ali Stags, like she was kind of thrown in the spot. She wasn't great defensively, but now she's the Pac-12 defensive player of the year and didn't have a single error. So I think Getting that experience is valuable, but I mean, if they're talented enough to play on day one, I think you kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. look at Jordy Ball, too. Imagine if they didn't put all the trust in her at Oklahoma. Right. And seeing what she did and then coming back in the national championship, I mean, she deserved to be in that spot. Yeah, but Oklahoma's that prime example of what of what you're asking, right? They just fill up on talent. Yes. I mean, a, a transfer portal is their the gift that keeps on giving to them. But Brady, you mentioned Taryn Kern, and I want to hit on Taryn Kern right now because she was just named the Big Ten Freshman of the Year and the Big Ten Player of the Year. She, I believe, still leads the country in home runs. Um, She's just a true freshman that has come in, taken this sport by storm, right? Who would have thought a kid from the Indiana Hoosiers with, would be talked about to this level. And I know that y'all over at D1, that just my Southern accent just came out in full force just then. Um, But over at D1, y'all have created, you know, by the stats, right? So explain that a little bit. And then can you tell us maybe where Taryn Kern is in that regard? Um, So as much as we want to take credit for it, it was kind of an idea that Sarah Henry had the kind of, together stack of partners at six four three charts who if you watch games on ESPN lately like they usually have like the heat maps for players or whatnot but essentially this metric is it's w 
trying to remember how many days are in it. <laughs> w, W, A, A. And so it's essentially kind of like war in baseball. Okay. Um, it's like what is above replacement, but we asked them to throw in like our guy and strength schedule as well. Um, Kern is, I think, 21st of all players in the nation, and she is the sec. She's second amongst hitters only. Um, I do think we want to tweak the model a little bit because it is very pitcher he- heavy, and but obviously pitchers have the ball in their hand way more. And so, yeah, if you go by hitters only, she's the second amongst all just hitters only behind Skyler Wallace. And so, essentially, what the model is saying is like if you pulled her off of Indiana, they would have four less wins. And so, if one player having that much impact, especially as a freshman, like. And he can make the case it goes further than that, but it's like simple as that. And I think that there's also a lot of a few surprises from the Big Ten on this list. Um, I don't think Autumn Pease is a surprise, especially what she's done down the stretch. But um, she became fourth of everyone in the nation behind only Maddie Penta, Montana Fouts, and Valerie Higg. And then I don't think many people around the nation like see Penn State, but Bailey Parshville was 13th amongst everyone in the nation. And I think it helps put perspective just like for those teams that, you know, we don't see every day around the nation. Your UCLA's, you're up almost that. You know, there are girls out there that really command more attention for what they're doing for their team single-handedly. And Penn State is on the bubble right now for the tournament. And like, if they didn't have Bailey Parshall, I don't think it would be even close. Yeah, you mentioned that Penn State sitting out of 45 RPI today. Um, they're middle of middle of the pack in the conference, but they got off to a really hot start, struggled in conference play. But like you said, Bailey Partial, she's just kind of just taken the reins of that team and led them to this point. Um, what are the chances for Penn State, honestly, to make the NCAA tournament? What needs to happen? Um, Going through like all of the bracketology because I do that also do the big 10 is the most interesting tournament because you can make the case that there's six bubble teams if you want to include like Nebraska even though I think they're pretty safe they would a lot of things have to go bad but Penn State would probably need to beat obviously win the first game against Michigan because that would help with another top 50 win and then they would probably have to beat Indiana in the second and then from there, you just kind of hope that things break your way as well. Because say if like a team that isn't Louisiana wins the Sun Belt Conference, that's going to be a stolen bid because Louisiana is going to be in regardless. Mm-hmm. And so for Penn State to get in, like, yeah, we're going to have to win two games. Even like a team like Wisconsin, they have like the best resume, but their RPI is kind of down. So they would probably need to win like that, their game against Illinois and the game against Nebraska. So, I mean, it's kind of like winner go home in two senses. Like, for that Penn State-Michigan game, the loser of that's most definitely kind of out of the NCAA tournament. Say if, like, Ohio State stumbles, like, against Rutgers, that probably closes their chances because just as simple as Penn State's loss in the regular season finale to Purdue dropped in 10 spots. So, like, that's how fickle it is right now. Wow. So, I think the favorite to win the Big Ten is Northwestern. But do you have a dark horse that you've been keeping an eye on? So I did the preview for Big Ten, and I honestly, I almost wanted to put Minnesota's. 
I just think what Pease is doing right now is just, I think it's remarkable. And then I mean, we don't really talk about like their offense enough. I think they are coming into a season, like second in doubles and home runs in the conference. And so I just having, like, if you get into a pitcher still, like I'm going to want that kind of offense and score like really quickly or just one swing of the bat. And so I think that they got like a good draw too. Cause like, depending on how that Ohio State Raptors game goes, they're going to get that. And they just, they swept Ohio State pretty easily a couple of weeks ago. Um, they handled Indiana. And I know they got swept by Northwestern, but I mean, that was opening weekend in conference play. And I don't think Minnesota was playing their best all then. And part of it is Northwestern's been good. I mean, I, I mean, I think they were stronger last year, which is odd because the metrics love them more this year because of their shared schedule. But they just have those ugly, ugly losses, like things to like Toledo and stuff. And when you're in a single game elimination, like that stuff matters. And I, I, they're the cardiac at, so like things you never think count them out. But I don't know if they can, if they can find a way to get peas of the ball in the championship game for Minnesota, I like the chances a lot. I kind of get that. Oh. I'm looking right now as we're recording. Rutgers is actually beating Ohio State four to two in the bottom of the fifth. So. Here's the Big Ten for you in a nutshell. Um, nobody's safe. Nobody seems safe at all. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the number one takeaway for me today is that nobody's safe in this tournament whatsoever. I mean, you look at Illinois, Wisconsin, and Maddie said before Wisconsin was kind of her team that you got to watch out for too. Between that matchup, Illinois and Wisconsin for Nebraska, what is a better matchup for them offensively and then also pitching-wise? Is there a team that they want to be playing would it be illinois i'm assuming i would say so brady like i said like wisconsin has like a really good resume of wins like, i think they have the most like against the top or guy of all the like and published teams and but that's the thing is like i mean nebraska might want the better win because i think nebraska is probably a three seed yeah. right now and so <laughs> There's a lot of, like, that's why I think it's the most compelling tournament of, like, the Power 5. It's because so much can change based off of one-game results. And so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's like, I don't know, if you look at, like, the Pac-12, like, there's no one on the bubble unless Arizona, like, wins the championship. And you know what's going to happen there. But, like, the Big Ten, like, like, one one run could be the difference whether or not your, your seasons keep going or not. And so... I'm really kind of excited to see it is. And like, that's the thing. Like if Ohio state doesn't come back, they work part of my last board in, in my projection. So if they lose the Raptors, I would probably have to cottage. You mentioned your bracketology. So what is your prediction for Nebraska? I still have them driving the still as the first. Um, and that's, that's a tough thing. I hope we get to one point where we don't have to do the 400 mile thing anymore. The game has progressed past that. Um, I think that they really are going to consider going forward the top 32 seeding like they do in volleyball and soccer because like we don't need to see the same teams every single year drive the same places. We want to see the best regionals. We want to see the best teams. Like I like say if Clemson doesn't hope, so they're going to go back to Alabama. Like that's that doesn't seem fair to either one of them, based on like metrics or like Central Arkansas. Like they have a top twenty RPI, but you they can go to the Oklahoma's, they can go to Arkansas. Like 
you kind of wanted them to go to like one of the like a Louisiana, like just because of the art. Yeah, I imagine. Right, and they're a top twenty-five team, yeah. so that, that like take that into consideration too. So you're you've got the Huskers in Stillwater as a three seed, and was Wichita your two seed? With the Wichita State too, and so it's like. I mean, those are, that's going to be one of the like hardest regionals. And so it's like, but it's, it's what unfortunately has to be done based off. Maybe they just throw in a curveball and we get some fun matches that we aren't expecting and they just stitch it. So worst case scenario, Nebraska, let's say loses that game against either Wisconsin or Illinois. Would you still say three seed for Nebraska? Well, if it was Illinois, I think it would put Nebraska truly on the bubble. They're in a good spot right now. Um, but the, what, just like one of those, a bad loss could really hurt you. I don't, like a lot of things would have to go bad, like, like stolen bids, but, um, like those conferences would be like Conference USA, the Sun Belt, and then a Sun. Like if someone random, like that wasn't predicted to be in the bracket, would get in, then Nebraska would be in trouble. But they lost the opening game to Wisconsin. I don't think it would change your. I think they would still kind of be in very comfortably. That's fair. Well, I've learned in covering Nebraska that they do not do Selection Sunday festivities um, because, they, A, I think they don't want to be disappointed if they don't see their name pop up, but, B, um, they just, it's all business. So I was kind of disappointed to hear that, but... um, I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm excited to watch the rest of the tournament. I'm excited to watch all of it. Uh, Brady, thank you so much. And tell our listeners where they can follow you. Um, I am on Twitter, just Brady Brennan, just kidding, you know, special, special characters. <laughs> and then, uh, then just steal one softball. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun things coming with the postseason and, we also don't stop. Even in off season, we will be covering um, like athletes unlimited and WPF and all the transfers and coaching changes that are already happening, especially yeah, in the right now. So yeah. you can find everything. Just continues on the off season for sure. Never stops. Thank you again for coming on our show today and no have a safe drive down to Tucson. I'll try my best. Thank you so much. Good luck with all the paint. <laughs> oh man so gosh could you imagine if Rutgers wins this game because it would shake yeah. things up I mean as I say that Ohio State just tied it Sam Hack and practice hit a two-run home run so uh nobody's safe no like nobody is safe in this regardless <laughs> of who wins anything it's going to be really fun to watch and I'm glad again that it's on national television yeah I love it so um Anna normally this is the time when we would do our power rankings. Oh, yeah. Of the entire uh, NCAA? No, no, no. Of of the Big Ten. Oh, okay. However, is it really fair to do power rankings now that we're in the postseason? Uh, I feel like this is about to be the power ranking. I feel like our pow- my power rankings would match up with what yeah. with what it looks How like. How seated right now? Yeah. I I mean the only the only change I would potentially make is. Uh, Minnesota as the two seed, Indiana as the three seed. Uh, I was intrigued to see them at number three. Um, Minnesota's ranked in the top 25 right now. Uh, Indiana is not. Uh, Northwestern is what Northwestern is. Yeah. 
and Nebraska. They're just it's gonna be a wild card. Yeah, um, but I know you haven't watched a lot of this conference this year. But from what you've learned today, who is your dark horse winner? Dark horse winner, man. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with Michigan going through a run because I think when you think back to previous success and experience and knowing that they are and were a powerhouse, I think it's a chip on their shoulder. I think we could see Michigan go on a run just from hearing that, oh, everyone's counting them out. Right. I think those teams sometimes can turn turn it on a little bit better than the teams like, let's say, Northwestern or Indiana that are like, oh, we're safe, we're safe. Well, Michigan's fighting for their lives. And yeah. I think we could see the best out of them. Yeah. I hate the matchup of Iowa and Maryland. Yeah. Because those two teams were my favorite teams this season. One of them has to go. And one of them is going to be done. I'm just, I I can't decide. I don't, I don't want to decide. I, yeah, I, it's just, it's not fun for me. So uh, in that case, I'm not going to pick any one of those okay. teams. I think it would be awesome if Nebraska could get it together and make a run and really secure a spot. But um, I kind of agree with you on Michigan. Because I don't think any of the girls on the Michigan team know what postseason is like without Michigan. Yeah. And to have that be part of your legacy. It's your DNA. And you're like, and but imagine being a player right now, not making the postseason tournament and then being known as the first team yep. no to not to break, make the tournament. Yeah, no one no wants, one to, wants break to break that streak. And not in the year that you name your stadium after Carol Hutchins. I mean, like, no, no, that's not okay. So, Michigan, I've got my eyes on you. So does Anna. So, uh, prove us right. And please do. Yeah. <laughs> on my first appearance. Yeah. Be nice to you, Michigan. Jeez. <laughs> so, I, I thought today was so much fun. It was a blast. Thanks so much for asking me to be on. I'm glad you had nothing going on and you could just hop up here. I would, I would clear my entire schedule for this anytime. Oh, so you that's just let awesome. Me know. I'll I'll make sure my my next the next time I have to call the bullpen it, it's yep. it's definitely you. So uh thank you all for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, thanks for being here and we will talk to you next week right after selection Sunday. Nate and I will be back in studio to break down our thoughts and preview what is to come. It's mayhem. And wait, let's do it. <laughs>